So a few weeks ago, uh, my father-in-law died. And as you know how this works, family started to come to town, and our home became the headquarters. And so with one frantic text to a group of my friends, food just started showing up at my door. Paper goods, drinks of all kinds, coolers. I mean, it was incredible. Even a massive pack of Charmin. That was the best delivery ever. Write this down. Somebody's hosting people at their home for a funeral, a massive pack of Charmin. Our toilet paper stash never ran low. And in this time, we felt seen and heard and known and deeply loved and cared for. Our community, Chuck's and my community, mostly our community of faith, blessed us. And our world is dying for a blessing. And the church, the people who claim to follow Jesus, of all groups, should be the premier blesser. But sometimes it seems to me the church mistakenly believes it exists instead to condemn the world, to point out its sin to shine a spotlight on its ugliness, to call out its brokenness, and then to distance ourselves from it. We don't want to be that kind of church, Orchard Hill Church. We're not going to be that kind of church. There are plenty of those churches, so if you are looking for that kind of church, we encourage you to find it, but you're not going to find it here. As Doug said, we exist... And we'll proclaim it over and over and over and over. We exist to help next generations both encounter and follow Jesus. To bless a broken world. And the question, you know, begs the question, what does it mean to bless a broken world? And I hope if you've been here these last four weeks, or if you're listening online, and I encourage you to do that if you missed one of these, we hope and pray that this series where we're working hard to cast vision and to, and to share a vision that's already happening amongst us, we hope and pray that you will have allowed this series to inspire you to take one next step to use your broken self to bless the broken world that lies in pieces all around us. As Doug said, too, I don't have to convince you, right, that our world is broken. Broken families, broken churches. So many of us end up at Orchard after a church meltdown, and we're just trying to find a safe place. Broken government... Major League Baseball because the Cubs lost to some kind of Colorado team? Like, what on earth is that? I didn't even know they played baseball in Colorado. Relationships between women and men? Broken. Between the rich and the poor, between black and white, between the poor and the wealthy between those who call this country their home and those who desperately want to call this country their home. 
Walls of hostility built up between human beings, broken, divided communities, and all of this breaks the heart of God. The world is broken, and it's not how God wants things to be. And do you know what the primary cause of that brokenness is? The primary cause of brokenness in this world is me. It's me. And I would love, you don't know how much I would love, to point to other things, to point to other people, to point to other issues. I would love to be able to say, and the world encourages me to say, you know what the problem is with this broken world? You know what the cause is? Them. They're the problem, not me. But the truth is, the sin and the self-centeredness that is so deeply embedded in my DNA is the cause of the brokenness of this world. I am the problem. And so are you. But we're also designed to be part of the solution. And through Christ, we can be. You see, God has always had a plan to redeem and, and to repair the rip humanity tore in the perfect universe he created. And part of that plan, you see, is God gathering together for himself a people through whom he wants to bless the world, the world that John 3.16 tells us God so loved. And one of the places God wants to use us, his people, to repair and redeem is in our communities. And a community is simply a group of people living in the same place. So this definition can be as small or as large as you want to make it. So what does that look like to bless your community? I want to look at two different pictures from the Bible that can help us envision what this might look like, one from the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah and the other from the life of Jesus. Now, as I said, Jeremiah is one of the Old Testament prophets, and a prophet is not primarily interested in writing things back then so that you and I can use his writing to predict the future. I know we love to do that, but that's not primarily what the Old Testament prophets were doing. Jeremiah... And the other Old Testament prophets were people chosen by God to speak hard and good words of truth to God's people because I don't know why and I don't know how it happened, but sometimes God's people got off track. Crazy. So as Jeremiah was writing, not a book, but his, his letter of prophecy, his words of prophecy, the people of God, the Israelites had been removed from their land, the promised land. They'd been removed from their homes, partly because of their own failure to follow God. And so as Jeremiah's speaking to them and writing to them, they are in a strange land. They are in a foreign land. They are in a land that's not their home. They're in what the Bible calls exile. And I want you to listen to the word of God spoken through Jeremiah to his people while they're in this strange land. Listen to what Jeremiah, Jeremiah writes. Jeremiah 29, starting with verse 4. 
This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem, which was their home, to Babylon, which is the land of exile. These are the words of God to God's people. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. He's saying live your life. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. And also, the word of God. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city and pray to the Lord for it. No matter what our circumstances as people of God, whether we feel at home in our community or whether we feel like we're in a season of exile, no matter what, we are called to bless our community. And somehow God is trying to get across this idea to his people that their well-being is tied up in the well-being of everybody else in their community. And this idea pushes so hard against our individualistic thinking. You know, my well-being is basically tied up in, well, my well-being. If I'm good, it's all good. But that's not the truth God speaks to his people. He's saying to his people back then and to his people today, our well-being, your well-being is desperately tied to the well-being of everyone else in your community. See, and then Jesus comes on the scene and he commands those who follow him, who give their lives to him. He says to them, I want you to take this Old Testament picture of blessing even more deeply into your everyday ordinary lives. I want to move it right down into the street and how my followers treat the people they come across. And if you read and reread the Gospels, which I deeply encourage you to do as followers of Jesus, you need to know who it is that you're following. As you read and reread the Gospels, you will notice that Jesus, as he moved through this world, he moved toward the pain rather than away. He moved toward broken people rather than away. And he saw them, and he felt their pain as if it was his own. That's what the word compassion means. And then he offered them the blessings of grace and healing and hope and forgiveness and acceptance and radical love. And we as his followers are called to do the same. Move toward the pain with compassion and action. And one of the greatest areas of pain, one of the deepest wounds in our nation, and frankly, in our greater community, meaning the Cedar Valley, right? These connected cities of Waterloo and Cedar Falls, one of the greatest areas of pain is around the issue of race. This is something the senior leaders and the teaching team has decided we're just going to start to name as an area of deep brokenness. 
The Cedar Valley is the most segregated community in Iowa. And by age 23, almost 50% of young men of color have been arrested and caught up in the criminal justice system. There's all kinds of underlying reasons for all this, but this much I know. These statistics break God's heart, and they should break ours too. And you may say, and I may say, well, that's nice, Alice, but that doesn't have anything to do with me, with us. I mean, just look around. All my friends look just like me. But the deep truth is, the truth that springs to us out of the words of the scriptures is that as followers of Jesus, these kinds of open wounds in our communities have everything to do with all of us. We're called to seek the peace and prosperity of our community. We're called to be people who cross the road as Jesus did when he saw the man wounded, or as the Good Samaritan did when he saw the man wounded on the side. We're called to bridge divides, to break down the walls of hostility with the radical love of Jesus. We're called to be people who move toward the pain and who aren't afraid to see it and to hear it, to hear stories of other people's deep woundedness. So there's a picture of this that's already happening in our, at our Grundy County campus. And it involves two groups of people that our um, communities tend to discard. Young men of color and young men who have been caught up in the juvenile justice system and middle-aged to older women. We tend to just think that these people uh, are, are, are somehow don't matter anymore in our society, which couldn't be further from the truth. And the question that I want you to think about in your head before you watch this video is what might God do if he puts those two groups of people in a room? And the start of this video, you're going to hear Brad Hillebrand, who used to work at Orchard, who's now the chaplain at the Eldora Training School. You're going to hear him talking about something that's happening between some women and a few men from Orchard Hill Church Grundy campus and the young men at the Eldora State Training School. Watch. The vision of it is a slice of freedom that these guys get. And in the real big picture that Chad said was, it's a place of grace. A lot of people feel like, well, these kids, they don't deserve nice TVs, nice luxury couches, um, whatever music they want to listen to. They should be punished, right, for what, why they're here. And the idea was, you know what, they don't deserve this, but we want to give them a gift, something that, um, and to feel that, and to feel cared for and loved in this place. And how can we partner to be a part of that? And so, um, that question was asked, hey, would you bring three or four people once a week um, to do whatever it is that you do best? And so I remember the idea was, the question was, what do we do? And the response right away was, well, what do you like to do? And Linda, I think, was like, well, I like to bake. Diane said they like to bake. And right away, the feedback from Chad and Chris was, kids would love that. Linda Mark McMartin said, I can just, I just want to go over there and bake some cookies. And so that's kind of the idea that was born was baking cookies. That was what we did the first time we baked chocolate chip cookies. It was fun. 
Um, it was interesting. It was rewarding. It was, um, it just felt right. And I remember Diane, I could tell she caught, and, and the rest of them too, this idea of there's no strings attached. It's like, we're gonna bake for you, and if you wanna bake, great, but even if not, we wanna just, it would be a blessing to, to you. And, and maybe that'll start a relationship, maybe it won't, who knows. But wait, there's not like a hidden agenda of like, we'll do this for you, but then you have to go do a Bible study with us, kind of a thing. And, uh, and so I think they caught the vision of like, well, we'll just do what we do best, we like to bake. For that time that we're there, we're a family. And so we, we ate as a family, everybody participated in the game and played and then afterwards Brad said okay everybody just had a good time we ate together as a family we played together as a family and now we're gonna clean up as a family and they just pitched right in we know that they're here serving their uh, consequence for an action the actions their actions but while we're here we uh, we don't judge we just uh, spend quality time with them and, and help them to feel appreciated and uh, cared for and let them know that they're, they have value. Yeah, it's definitely fulfilling. Uh, it's probably the fastest two hours of my week. So it's a lot of fun. I thought that the, that the boys would be standoffish, that, that they wouldn't necessarily want to get to know us um, but they do I mean they're they mingle with us they come up and thank us they say things are just kind helpful um, it, it's been an open two-way communication there's a ton of added value when volunteers come uh, when, and I think a lot of it has to do with when kids see that people are coming on their own free will, their own time. They really, I think they feel cared for. I hope that they know that people who care, they, if they're out in the world, they will find people at a church who will care. So if they're walking the streets and they're alone and they need some help, if they walked into a church, they would find people who would care and help and support them. God, pray that would be true. That when young boys who've been in trouble are out on the street, they could walk into a church and find people who care. What an incredible video. A few People wondering how on earth God could use their simple gifts to bless their broken community in Grundy County. And so they looked for rips, they looked for wounds, they looked for places of pain, and they moved toward it with what they had, which happened to be cookies. But oh, so much more. Three things I want to say about this, about what it looks like to bless our broken community. And the first one you've heard me say over and over and over, and I'm going to continue to say it, and that is we need to move toward the pain. We won't have the opportunity to see pain unless we move toward it. And as the pain in our communities and nations grows, 
we are going to be urged and tempted to huddle together in our homogenous groups to strive for safety, to create fences and walls, and to live to protect what we own. But God calls his people to go. He always has. From the very beginning, when he called Abram, who then became Abraham, the first thing God said to him almost was, I need you to go to a land that is not your own. From when Jesus was done with his earthly ministry, was crucified and risen from the dead, before he departed, he said to his disciples, I want you to go. That's the only way we can bless our broken communities is to leave our safety and move toward the pain. And I don't often talk this way. But I think today, now more than ever, this is important for me to say, we must understand that there are forces at work in the world that are hell-bent on destroying community. And only the grace of Jesus, nothing else, only the grace of Jesus is strong enough to defeat those forces. And so we need to look for the places where what the Apostle Paul called the principalities and powers are at work destroying community, where the forces of greed and hatred and bigotry and abuse of power and generational sin have caused the loss of human thriving. We need to go there. And some of you are saying, and I get this, move toward the pain, Alice. I am the pain right now. And I get that too. I've been there. And I know that sometimes it takes all of our energy just to keep our own heads above water. God knows that too. And God will provide. And he will strengthen you. And when you're strong again, when your feet are on dry ground, would you ask God to show you how your journey through pain prepared you to see the pain in others and to move toward them. We need to move toward the pain. The second thing is, and this is something, again, we don't often say, when we move toward the pain, we need to be prepared to see Jesus. Not just be Jesus. I'm starting to realize how arrogant it sounds. When, the, when followers of Jesus always make this proclamation that we're going to go be the hands and feet of Jesus, rather than expecting to see Jesus in the people that we move toward, especially when Jesus basically tells us in Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the sheep and the goats. He said, listen, when you bring a cup of cold water to someone who's thirsty, or when you clothe someone who's naked, or when you visit someone who's in prison, or when you feed somebody who's starving, you're doing that to me. Expect to see me. And what if the church could be known as a group of people who not just move toward the pain, but who really expectantly see others and see others not to look for what's broken, but who look for what's good and what's beautiful and what's redemptive and where is the fingerprint of God on this human life? You could see on the faces of some of these women that they're expecting that. We need, to be ex- we need to expect to be blessed by Jesus and other people and not always to be the blessers. There's a young man from Waterloo West that I pick up 
on Thursday afternoons to take him to youth art team in downtown Waterloo. Um, his name's Landrell Cooper. And I pick him up from his, the very modest apartment he and his uh, mom live in. You know, I pick him up and I, he gets in the car. I give him his McDonald's. I'm no dummy. And uh, first thing he does after he thanks me is he turns to me and says, how was your day, Alice? Not a lot of people ask me that. And so for 15 minutes, he's trapped in the car with me, and so he gets to hear an earful. <laughs> and I'm blessed by Landrell, because I expect to see Jesus in him. Third thing, last thing, is that we need to lead and offer our own brokenness. We need to offer our own brokenness. See, the only way we can really bless a broken world is to lead from our knees and not our high horse. And there's some strange spiritual paradox that occurs when we lead with our brokenness, when we share what's broken in us with other people. We feel less alone. They feel less alone. And God begins to heal us and make both of us whole. We need each other. And so we move toward the pain, not as people who believe in our own innate, inherent goodness to fix other people, but we move toward pain as broken sinners being put back together by grace. Grace is the answer to the world's deepest need. Grace is the answer to every human being's heart's deepest need. Grace is all the church has, and it is our best trump card. It is everything. Offer your own brokenness and let people know about the grace of Jesus. I wish I could convey to you how very much I believe the heart of Jesus is broken by how we who call ourselves his people are treating each other these days and are treating other people. I wish I could convey to you how much the heart of Jesus is broken. He said to his first followers, I'm going to narrow this down for you to one command. Love one another. Love those close to you, yes, but you know what? Anyone can do that. Jesus said, I'm calling you to love those you might be tempted to ignore, to dismiss, or even to hate. Love them. Move toward the pain. Expect to see me and lead from your knees. Offer your own brokenness. And then Jesus says, I, through you, will heal the world and bless your broken community. Let's pray. God, it is easy right now in our world to become cynical, to become jaded, to just give in to the voices of hatred and despair that, that seem to just exist all around us. It's easy to think that our job is to hunker down and just stay safe and to make it through. But you paint such a different picture in your scriptures, God. You paint this wild and beautiful adventure that we would throw off the shackles of sin and safety and that we would be people who in your name and in your power and with your grace in both hands would move toward the pain 
and would expect to see you there. And we would lead with our brokenness because then we can also offer your grace. Would you make us those people, God? Would you make us that church? Keep making us that church. I pray this all in Jesus' good and powerful name. Amen.